The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel is Thomas Sanherjo. Hey, Thomas. Hey, Dom. It's good to be here. Before we get into our show today, I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network that you are sure to enjoy in perfect timing for the Easter season. It is Pray Station Portable. It is a wonderful opportunity to pray the prayer of the church, the liturgy of the hours, Pray with the whole church. Uh, this podcast has been around for 15-something years. It's a, it's one of the oldest Catholic podcasts out there, and uh, it's it's fantastic. You can find it at sqpn.com slash PSP or wherever fine podcasts are found, and it's got a great Catholic techie name, Pray Station Portable. Uh, all right. Before we get into our main topic, I, we've got a little bit of feedback from last week's show where we talked about the tech for getting outdoors. Ted Coville on Facebook wrote, I enjoyed the podcast and I'm familiar with many of the apps, especially Carrot Weather. Some people when outside like to explore the stars or birds. But if you're like me, you look at airplanes flying overhead and wonder where they're coming from and where they're going. I use an app called Flight Radar 24. You can identify the aircraft overhead and find out where they took off and where they're going. If you purchase the upgrade, you can get a lot more information such as altitude, airspeed, aircraft type, year of manufacture, weather, etc. When I'm bored, I often look at the air traffic all over the world and see the different routes that the air traffic follows and where the planes are avoiding, such as Ukraine, going back to when that the commercial aircraft were shot down several years ago. And uh, then he says, I won't get into my golf app, <laughs> which is a whole other area. <laughs> yeah. That could be a whole show in itself. Uh, that's to get you out, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that, that's great. Yeah, flight radar is, is really good. In fact, look, a lot of people don't realize that if you have an iPhone, uh, you can ask the S word lady, because I don't want to activate it. Uh, <laughs> what's overhead? And it uses a Wolfram Alpha search to tell you all of the aircraft that are flying over you, quote unquote, not literally directly over you, but, you know, within the, your sky, you know, they're, what flight it is, what altitude, speed, you know, destination, all that stuff. It uses Wolfram Alpha. And so all that stuff is there and it, and it pulls it from Wolfram huh. Alpha. So kind of cool that's pretty wild yeah yeah it's kind of awesome like so you, you when you're out in the middle of nowhere and you as long as you get bars that's that's the necessary you have <laughs> internet <laughs> access um you can say oh there's a plane up there i wonder where it's going and and find out kind of neat uh, I also want to give a little update. I've uh, recently updated my computer to a new Mac Studio, and I thought folks might want to know how that went. I've upgraded from a Mac Mini that I got as sort of an interim computer last fall. Uh, that's a whole other story having to do with uh, my house disaster. But uh, I was waiting for a new iMac 27-inch. I was hoping those would come with the M1 chips. Those They didn't, but the Mac Studio came. I said, I've got real, two really good monitors, so let's do the studio. I got the base model. Uh, I bumped up the RAM on it and the and the SSD, the, the the storage on it, because those are things you can't upgrade later. Uh, so I had a few speed bumps along the way. I had some USB problems in getting it set up, uh, some funky 
things not working right. I thought it might be the, uh, the, the USB hub. It turns out it was my Dymo label printer, which worked perfectly fine on my Mac mini on my previous iMac. Uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a driver issue, but it was caught like it was causing while it was plugged in to the USB. It was causing funkiness on all the different drives. So I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm going to have to dig back into that because I use it all the time for printing postage and things like that. Uh, the other thing is, uh, is a Apple problem. It's a fish shake at Apple because mm-hmm. they, they really watch, they don't, they don't give you a mouse with it anymore. They want you to use Bluetooth mouse and keyboard. So when you're setting up, you need to, you need a mouse in order to, you know, click on the, Menu say I'm using English and so set up the the computer now, please. Thank you very much. Except it would not recognize my Apple Bluetooth mouse, nor did it recognize oh, my my Apple trackpad. I couldn't get it to recognize them, and I'm like, what do I have? I have a Logitech uh, like uh, radio receiver mouse, but that wasn't. Good. I had to take the wired mouse off of my Raspberry Pi. <laughs> <laughs> and plug it into the Mac so that I could get it set up, which is a little bit of a tip. Keep a wired mouse and, if possible, a wired keyboard around. Che- mm-hmm. Get the cheapest one possible because, because it, you know, hopefully you'll only ever need it for about two minutes ever. <laughs> so, you know, don't spend a lot of money on it, but just get them and, you know, you you won't regret it if you ever get into if you get into a situation like I did. I have a wired keyboard that I use regularly, so that that wasn't an issue, but. So that's that. That was some of the and oh, and the other thing was is I was transferring from my old Mac Mini to my new uh, Mac Studio, and so all the files had to transfer. And you know, these days we have tons of files, and it took forever. I yeah. mean, yeah, it was hours and hours. I just set it up and let it go. Oh, I think it was even overnight, and it just it it just took forever to do. And I was doing it um, over over Ethernet. Not over Wi-Fi. Over Wi-Fi would have been days. So that's yeah. just another issue. Now, do you have a network attached storage, or you? Was I that... do. I use it. I okay. have two NASs here, so I keep all that there. I have my uh, photo library, which is huge, on uh, an external SSD. So I just plug that in to the new one, so that that what didn't have to get transferred. I mean, I could have done without the transfer because I keep most of my active files in Dropbox and I would have had to re uh, reinstall all my apps and stuff like that and set mm, up all the yeah. preferences. That's kind of a pain. I didn't want to do that. And, you know, after that first initial transfer, it, it hasn't been an issue. So I'm just glad I did that. I, I did the, the, the reset up everything with the Mac mini and I didn't want to have to do it again so soon. So, so what are the good, the good? Oh, speedy. You know how, you know, everyone's talking about how fast these are and it is fast. It is beautifully fast. I love this, the speed of it. It's got lots of ports. It's got a ton of USB C ports. It's got HDMI. Uh, it, the, another good thing is it doesn't have the display port bug that the Mac mini had, which is that uh, I, you couldn't plug in two, USB-C display port monitors to the back. I use a dual monitor setup. You had to have one had to be HDMI and one could be USB-C display port. This one I can plug into USB-C, you know, no problem Mm. displays. So that's good. The bad, there's only two USB-A ports. Now, I've heard people say, oh, you know, I don't have a problem at all. I've got extra ports. I'm like, I have a seven port USB hub that's full right now. And if the Dymo was not, was working the label printer, I would need to 
find it. In fact, I already purchased a 16-port USB. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> because I, I mean, I, I, I got. I, I mean, I have my mixer that I connect that has to directly yeah. connect to one of those USB-A ports, and everything else hangs off the other one. And I've still got a uh, Anchor docking hub that is kind of intended for for MacBooks. Anyway. Enough said on that. Uh, it. I wish. <laughs> I, I still have a lot of legacy USB A stuff, and I'm not rushing out to replace all that with USB C because USB C is a pain in the neck, confusing, and that's a whole nother conversation we need to have someday about how bad the USB C is. Uh, the how bad they've made the whole confusion around it. Anyway, enough yeah. of that. That's I'm, uh, I'm that's in for that. That sounds like a good discussion. Have, yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I've been trying to buy a cable to connect a, a piece of equipment. And trying to find a cable that actually is, it's a data cable. It's USB-C Gen type, USB-C 3, Gen 3.1 or Gen 3.2. It's supposed to be universal, right? That's the whole idea. (laughs) That's the funny thing is the connector is universal. It's Thunderbolt. It's DisplayPort. It's USB-C. It's three different kinds of USB-C or USB 3. But it's not. And that's a whole, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a whole other thing. Anyway, let's get to our main topic, because this is a good topic that you and I, I think, are are the perfect people to talk about this now. Uh, It kind of falls on from last week where we talked about tech for getting outdoors. And I realized this this topic needed to be all its own because there's so much to talk about. This is tech for camping. And, you know. Camping is is as old as the stars, right? I mean, our ancestors camped under the stars and, you know, sat around a fire and fought off the woolly mammoth or something. I mean, camping was the thing you did before you had a house. Exactly. (laughs) That's how it worked. (laughs) Our original state, Adam and Eve, camped. Uh, So it's it's ultimate in in one sense, low tech. But there's so much really good tech for camping. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't have to be distracting tech. It's just tech that helps you have a good time. Now, we're both involved in scouting, right? You're, you've got kids right. that are scouts? Okay. And yes. same here. And so we probably both spend quite a bit of time camping. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. And both, both with the Boy Scouts and with the Girl Scouts. So oh, my, yeah. my daughters are all Girl Scouts and my wife is a, an advocate for camping for the girls as well. Yes, yes, and my girls are in a uh, BSA Scout troop for girls, and they 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 do all the camping too. So it's it's which is great. It's awesome. Uh, so let's talk about some of the great tech for camping. We'll start with talking about some gadgets and gear, and then later on we'll talk about some apps and websites that'll be great, especially for family camping. Uh, if if you're interested in that as well, we'll talk about some of this. Will, will apply to anyone. Some will be good for families or singles, so that sort of thing. So. Um, I think the first place to start is at the most basic and important equipment, which is first mm-hmm. aid. And uh, I, I see you've picked you've picked a, a particular brand that you like. Tell me about that one. Yeah, so uh, we we go through first aid kits pretty fast. Yes, <laughs> and um, uh, you know, and we and we we find find the ones that we like, and it's it's not because we're using them necessarily, but because they end up lost or they end up in somebody's bag, and uh, they it gets given to someone, you know. Uh, but the ones that I found that are really amazing is this brand called Swiss Safe First Aid Kits. And what really turned me on to these guys was I was looking for a kit for my car just to be able to Velcro in the back of my car, and they have a car specific kit. 
So it's a, it's a kit that's all of your first aid stuff. So, you know, it's got the antibiotics, it's got the bandages, it's got uh, splints. Uh, in some cases, it has burn protection or burn uh, burn uh, problem solutions. But the, they also add kit-specific items. So for the car, there might be jumper cables or uh, something to break a windshield if you need to. Uh, for the camping gear, there's a striker and a, a thermal blanket. So the kit is really designed not just to be a first aid kit, but to be a survival kit for whatever situation you're taking it into. That's awesome. Yeah, a couple of things to, to, to note is uh, with, with any first aid kit, uh, medicines expire. So you mm-hmm. keep on top of it. If it's got aspirins, if it's got, uh, you know, other things, keep a track of, you know, at the beginning of every camping season, go through it, look for things that, that have expired, need to be replaced, update them and feel. The other thing is I always tell people is feel free to put in things that you specifically want. Um, things that you, that maybe your kids particularly get into and, you know, manage to or things that are particular to the area where you live. If you've got lots of poison ivy around, make sure you have, you know, the, the poison ivy cream. I forget what it's called, but the uh, the the that stuff or like Benadryl cream or any of those things like that. But uh, I'm looking through the uh, outdoor first aid kit they have here. And it's like that it starts with 40 medium finger bandages, 30 mini finger bandages. I'm like right there. <laughs> yeah, it's serious. <laughs> yeah, it's no nonsense. So, yeah, that'll last like a weekend for my. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's why I say that's why I say it's serious because we'll just burn through it. But, you know, at least it will last that that amount of time that needs to last. <laughs> right. And it's tech. I mean, this is tech. This is the this is, mm-hmm. a you know, it's not necessarily electronic tech, but it's technology. When you when you look through it and you see the the the, the thought that goes into a, a good a kit. There's a sewing kit in this one. And you think about, well, mm-hmm. what do I need sewing? Well, it's, uh, sometimes you might need to like sew up a bandage, like a sling and sew it on. Or, uh, if, you know, th- there are way, you know, times when, you know, just like a scout, you, you make do with what you got and be prepared. Mm-hmm. There are times when that m- will come in handy. Uh, but I like that they add a striker rod and paracord and a compass and those sorts of things. They even have little fishing bobs. That's, you know, yeah. so it, it really comes down to being a survival kit. And the great thing is, is that the, the the container for the kit is good after the kit's gone or after you've run out of the interior mm-hmm. of the kit. So you can just use that container to stuff more things in and, you know, replenish what, what you lost. Great idea. Great idea. So very nice. I like that. So that's a Swiss safe at SwissSafeProducts.com and they sell on Amazon. So you can get those. Uh, so I wanted to mention something that we've talked about. You and I have talked about before on the oh, show. Yeah. <laughs> I think this was your pick of the week once. Uh, oh, the yeah. <laughs> the Thermocell Portable Mosquito Repeller. Now, Thermocell is a brand, and they sell a bunch of these in different formats. Uh, one that can sit on your patio table and whatever. These are mosquito repellent, but they're 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 not citronella candles. Citronella candles. I I always thought mm. citronella was candles were a way to make a lot of smell and be very ineffective at keeping right. bugs away. <laughs> this is effective. So what it is is uh, it's a device that has both a, like a, a gas canister and these little pads that are impregnated with a chemical, and the gas canister goes inside the device and it creates a little bit of a. It's not really an open flame, but it creates a heat source that that is right under the that goes under the uh, imp- the chemical impregnated sheet, and it vaporizes it and creates basically a bubble uh, around you of this mosquito repellent air 
shall we say. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, it, like I said, it comes in different formats. It's relatively inexpensive. And I'm going to link to one that I don't have yet, but it's designed for carrying, which is, which is nice. It's designed for camping and carrying to have on you so that when you're, you know, walking around, so it's portable so that when you're hiking on a trail or you're hanging out around the campsite, you kind of have this mobile uh, shell around you of and mosquito repellent. your belt. Yeah. yeah. We, we actually have this one. Uh, this is, and, and it works. It works fantastically. And then the other great thing about it is they don't smell. They, like you don't. Right. There's there's not a, a a noxious fume at all. Like you really don't smell it at all. It is it does get hot, but the one that you wear on your belt, the heat is designed in such a way that it's facing away from you, so you won't feel the heat on your body with the way that that it's put together. Mm-hmm. The pads last uh, quite a while, um, hours like three four hours at mm-hmm. a time, uh, and as do the the canisters last a while, and uh, the refills are pretty inexpensive. You can get like what was it like uh, a refill that has 48 mats and a bunch of uh, uh, well, no, 48 hours. I forget what it is, but it's it, uh, a four pack, which gives you up to four hour, 48 hours of coverage is like another 20 bucks, you know? So it, it covers your whole weekend. Basically, if you mm-hmm. were to run it continuously, uh, the portable repeller itself is 26 bucks. Um, the the patio one is twenty two, so it's it's a really great little piece of technology that they that they've come up with to be a, finally an effective mosquito repellent that is portable. So I really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, double vouch for that. I'm I am hundred percent in for <laughs> the thermosel. Get yourself one. <laughs> now another thing, like we we often want to take our tech with us into the, into the, you know, our electronic tech with us into the camping sometimes. Like you need, if you want to have a phone that has maps or, you know, just want to be able to get in touch with people in the real world or take pictures even. Uh, and so you need power. And there's a couple of things I'm going to link in the, in the show notes. One is a, a solar charger. Solar chargers are okay, but you got to just keep in mind that they have to be in direct sun in any bit of shade on them. If, if, if the sun moves and a, you know, a tree shade hits it, you're done. It's not going to charge. They really are sensitive to that. But um, you, a solar charger can be very useful if you're at all um, stationary during the day. Uh, you can, of course, get a, um, a, you know, the power banks. Uh, I like the anchor power banks. I'm particular, uh, I'm partial to them. Um, here's a, there's a one that I have. It's a 10,000 milliamp hour battery pack, which I think will charge. I mean, it would charge my phone like two and a half times. I think something like that. That's Um, very nice. And it's slim. It's very slim. Uh, one thing you want to keep in mind that, um, if you want to charge your, say your Apple watch while you're on the go, you need one that does trickle charging, which I t- took me forever to find one. But Anchor makes one that does ah. trickle charge because I kept finding that like I would put the, the hook it up and put my, the watch on it and then it would like charge for two minutes and it would just stop because it wasn't drawing enough power off the battery for the battery to stay active. The, the battery is right. protecting itself from being discharged, you know, uh, unnecessarily. So you need one that does trickle charging. So anchor does have one that trickle charges and I, I'll make sure I'm, I'm, I'll link that in the show notes, but uh, 
that's a big deal. Let's see something I hadn't thought about because my, my watch lasts for most camping trips that I go on. But if right. I do, if I, if I did take the charger with me, I would need it that because it's just got that magnetic charger that you place it right. on. And yep. Yeah. That's what I so. do. My, my Apple watch will last a day, but not much more than that. Uh, so I, I mm. really does need to have to be charged. And then the other Charging thing is the power stations. Uh, I have one of these and I use it for family uh, car, car camping uh, a, a lot. This is really awesome. It's basically a, a box like the size of a small toolbox or an old uh, boom box back. If you're old enough to use the word boom box, like I am <laughs> um, a small, smaller one. It, they come in various capacities, but this is a big old battery that you can plug all kinds of things in you can, you know, it's got regular uh, outlets and you can, I mean, this, they come into various capacities, ones up to 1500 Watts, which is a, uh, 1229 watt hours. That's a, that's a massive battery. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you, you know, if you, like, if you're, if you're, you know, say you have a spouse who doesn't love camping because it's so hot and stuffy in the tent. Well, maybe if you get a little fan and you plug it into this mm-hmm. and keep blow a fan on them at night or, you know, various other things, or if you know, you, you want a, uh, a tea kettle or something along those lines. If, if you're trying to bring a little bit of, home to make life a little more comfortable for those who are the more reluctant campers this is mm-hmm. a great way to do it so this kind of battery. glamping glamping is not bad <laughs> I, that's, I, I want to be very clear about that yeah my my family's very uh rudimentary in our camping but if you want if it gets you out there because you need the string lights and the fan and yeah. the, get out there that's right <laughs> get this that's kind right. of thing and then get out there <laughs> yeah yeah you know, it doesn't have to be full-on you know uh luxury glamping to, you know there right. there are degrees and yeah mm-hmm. that, that's a great point uh how about you any uh, other things that you want to mention uh, for gear so i popped one in here that i've seen i don't have it so i can't attest to it completely but i've seen it work oh. and it is really cool yeah it is called a biolite camp stove and essentially, it's just a a burner tube that also functions as a charger. So you put in sticks and you light them so that they burn and the heat generates uh, a charge that then can be transferred into your devices. And it does actually it does actually charge. Now, you, you have to keep it fed. So you have to keep, uh, you know, throwing sticks into it. But it, it works and you can double it as a small stove. So you can put uh, a stove utensil on top of it boil water while you're also uh, Mm -hmm. doing the while while you're also charging your devices um it's it it is a really neat piece of tech if you're a person who's into like really nerdy uh camping (laughs) this is an item that i highly recommend because just for novelty's sake it is really cool i've seen something that uses the same sort of technology which transforms heat energy into electric energy in a fire pit, sort of like a portable camp stove, uh, mm-hmm. and, and it, so it also has like a, a, a charging port off of it, so you can sit around roasting your marshmallows, and it's it's larger, so it's a bigger capacity. But yeah, same sort of thing, and I love the idea. I mean, because it's just twigs; you're just throwing twigs in there and burning them. You know, there's no right. extra extra effort in that, um, and it's you know it's efficient. You're gonna you're gonna have a fire anyway, so you may as well, uh, you know, uh, exactly yeah. use the energy. So that's that's excellent. And this one's small enough that if you're a hiker and you would like to have a charging capacity without having to worry about the solar and all that kind of stuff, this one will work. Nice. Uh, it's really light and, and pretty portable. 
So one good thing, like, again, if you're a hiker, you know, or, or just, you know, if you're not car camping, you want to reduce the number of different things you bring. So things that can be multi-purpose is always handy. Now, multi-purpose sometimes means it doesn't do anything well. So I'm not, I can't <laughs> vouch for this next one myself because I don't have it, but I just want to mention it as a, uh, as a uh, emblematic of the category, which is, this is the Celestron Fire Cell Plus. It's a hand warmer battery charger, like power pack and flashlight. So uh, it's funny because sometimes when my phone charges, it becomes a hand warmer because, it's, right. you know, uh, <laughs> but when you're outdoors, especially when you live in the, in the Northern parts, like I do, you know, uh, there's times when it's, you want something to keep your hands warm, uh, you know, when you're, when you're out and about. Uh, and so that's what this does. It, it can, it can function as a hand warmer, but it can also charge your phone and it will all, it also has uh, L and, um, little led lights uh and it's fantastic now if you by the way speaking of led lights if you haven't been out with a flashlight in say more than 10 years flashlight technology has changed radically (laughs) all flashlights pretty much now are led lights which means they last way longer than they used to uh and they run on practically nothing too you know it's like Little AAA batteries. Yep. And uh, many of them are now rechargeable off of the same sort of USB port that that Mm -hmm. you can charge your phone from. So these battery packs do more than just charge your phone. They can charge your flashlight and other things like that. Uh, And there are some I didn't put any flashlights other than this on the (laughs) list, but... uh, you had mentioned flashlights and, and what I put on there was was our typical tactic. And I, I am I am I, I want to preface this by saying I am not a wasteful person. So uh-huh. this is not out of a out of a sense of waste. But we go to the Dollar Tree whenever we're going camping because I have eight kids. Um, we just buy eight dollar uh, mm-hmm. flashlights so that they all have one strapped to their belt. Inevitably, one gets broken. Yes. Inevitably, one gets lost. Um, but. It's only a dollar, so it's it's not that huge a deal. And then when it, when we get back, we put the rest of them, take the batteries out, and put them in storage, and then grab them the next time we need them. Yes, your kids will go through flashlights like anything. <laughs> yes, I have the same experience. Yeah, they inevitably, or they just break. They you know because they're cheap. Yeah, by design, mm-hmm. so that's fine. You don't care if they break when they're a dollar. It's almost a rite of passage in my family when it's time to buy them a real flashlight. You know, right. like for Christmas <laughs> or a birthday, here is a not expensive flashlight, but a flashlight that has cost a few dollars. You know, maybe from a reputable brand like Olight. Uh, by, by the way, Olight is a really good brand if you're looking for uh, flashlights. Um, headlamps is another good thing that uh, we we buy mm-hmm. them uh, as well. Uh, those are really handy at night when you're wandering around in the woods looking for the bathroom. <laughs> you don't have to, especially if they have that that red light function where it doesn't mess with your night vision. The, exactly, That's a really good. Addition to it. Yeah. So, yeah, lighting is key. I've got a fun little light that it's it it's inflatable with an LED inside. So it's a tube and you uh, you blow into it, you inflate it. And I'll put a link in the show notes. I didn't think of it till now. And it's USB powered. So you plug it into a, like a, a battery pack and then you hang it like inside your tent. And because it's made of a translucent material when the little led lights the whole thing glows and so it becomes ah. a nice little area light and it, it like you like you said it uses almost no power so it will last all night even right. if you want uh, so it's really a really great little te- piece of tech so let's move on from that to talk about uh gear that you know the, the the other basic gear that we need we need shelter 
uh, when we're out there. Uh, I'm going to mention a tent. There's all kinds of tents, and we couldn't could possibly we go through all the different kinds of tents that we mm-hmm. could recommend um, <laughs> because there's so many different situations and that sort of thing. Um, but I'm going to mention the tent my family has, which I really love. And this is a big, this is definitely a big family car camping tent. It comes in a huge box, you know, it's like, an, it, it, which is really nice, but uh, you know, it, it, it's the Coleman connectable tent and it's a tent system, quote unquote. And what it means is there's one central six person tent that is uh octagonal. I forget it was pentagonal. It's, you know, it's multi-sided. And um, it's six sided. And so hexagonal. I can never keep that right. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Anyway, and each of the sides itself is a is a zippered opening. So you could like this. So all six sides have a zippered opening, but you can attach up to three smaller three person tents to it. I I love that. By by the way, when they say three person, six person, you cut that in half and that's the reasonable amount of people that can fit in a thing. Right. Um, <laughs> Especially unless, with gear. <laughs> yeah. I mean, unless they're little, little kids, like, yeah, six, six, you know, two adults and four little kids. Yeah. That could fit in a six person tent. But anyway, uh, so what this does is you, you, you can connect like subsidiary tents to it. And if you get, you can, and then you can connect another one to the other end of the, of the smaller three person tent. You can have a whole tent city where you never have to go outdoors. I <laughs> mean, practically uh, it's been awesome. So we have, we take the big tent with us camping and we, we can sometimes use the, sub, the smaller, uh, branching tents as a, I, it fits. I, when I go family camping out of the car, I bring a big cot cause I'm old and sleeping on the ground is getting old. And uh, <laughs> so I sleep on the cot and it fits my cot basically. So it's my bedroom basically. Uh, or you could use it as a storage for all your gear out of the weather, you know, indoors, but separated. Or you could use it as a, as a mudroom where that's where you take off your, your boots and wet coats and things. If it's rainy, you know, that sort of thing. It's awesome. Or you could just, if you have a big family, you could just sleep everybody in, in you know, right. two, two, uh, two <laughs> or three rooms. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I really love it. It's a, it's a great tent uh, system. We've had it for a few years now and uh, it's been, it's been great for us. Yeah. We, we have, we have one that's one of the just big ones, the big pop-up ones that has mm-hmm. the, the bars to it. And it's, they're, they're fantastic because you just kind of pull, pull them out and it's almost like a camper that you can pack down into a small pouch and then you just pop it up and it's good to go oh yeah but i'm actually gonna go the complete other direction where it's not how many people you can fit in but one person uh (laughs) style (laughs) camping because i've gotten really into hammocks uh lately and so uh, i have two brands that i that i really love and uh they're cheap they're not uh not super uh fancy bells and whistles uh but the wise owl and the bear butt hammocks are both fantastic brands uh they are I, I have one that I've had for a few years now, and it works great. If you know how to hang a hammock, uh, that's that's a skill that you have to learn. So it's it's definitely different than a tent. Uh, and you also need some extra gear like a rain fly. And if you're in anywhere where there's bugs, you need a bug net. Mm-hmm. And so you have to add all three of those together. But if you're a, a hiker at all or if you like to do primitive camping, uh, it's a great option because you can just stuff them in your bag and go They're lightweight they compact down really really well and as long as you have ropes you're good you're good to hang uh just about anywhere you're going to go with primitive camping right uh 
my preferred brand, I use the Eagle's Nest Outfitters, the Eno ones, and uh, they they might be a little pricier, although you can get them on sale, which I, I do. I I actually have several of them that I keep up in my backyard pretty much all summer that we just mm. hang out in. Uh, the kids love to hang out in them. I, I found this. I have a, I have like a set of trees where I can hang three of them, you know, all is sort of in a circle uh, and it works out really well. It's just a really nice place to hang. But I like a hammock when I'm scout camping. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, in fact, a lot of scouts these days go without a tent and just go for a hammock because like you said, it's lightweight. Uh, it's comfortable. So you're not sleeping on the ground. Right. Um, it's always comfortable. That's yeah. the, that's the great thing about it is there's no, there's no having to adjust it for comfort except maybe add a little bit of uh, warmth to the bottom of it. But right. There, there are quilts designed for that as well. So, you know, you can, you can, you can figure it out. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's not like sleeping on the ground at all. Yeah. So if you've never done it, I highly recommend it. Give it a shot. Yeah. And there's a couple of good YouTube videos that kind of give tips on hanging them and even just how to sleep mm-hmm. in it. Like, you don't want to sleep like a banana, you know, where your your right. your head is at the top and you go straight down and like in, in in a bend. But you want to kind of sleep at an angle in it to kind of straighten it out so that you're it, what it does. Is it gives you a little more space. So you're not feeling like you're being wrapped up like a or to use another food analogy, like a burrito. You want to get a little more space and you're at an angle in there. Uh, and there's an app I have on my phone, which I don't I don't really use my, much because I've kind of gotten that the. I was going to say the hang of it, but you know, that's, I, I, I will, I will intend that pun. I've gotten the hang of hanging a hammock, but it's called hammock hang. And uh, it, it, you, you input how big is your hammock? Uh, you know, how long is it? What's the ridge line? What's the distance between the trees? And it will tell you how to hang it for ideal, you know, uh, to get it off the ground and all this oh, sort of stuff. So it's, it's an interesting yeah. little app, but I don't know if you'll need it, but it's free. I also recommend if you get into hammock camping, make sure that you check your local ordinances and laws, uh, because I, I know that here in Florida, if you, you can't hammock camp basically anywhere without uh, some kind of tree protection. So they sell these uh, these tree protectors that you have to you put you wrap it around the tree and it is like a a woven uh, piece that as you wrap the rope around, it doesn't allow the rope to move and cut the bark off of the tree. Right. Uh, So you can't do anywhere without that. And then a lot of places they just don't even allow it. So, you know, make sure that before you do it, that you know what the, what the rules are about it. Uh, Just that you're being kind to the environment. You're using special straps when you, when you're uh, that come with Mm -hmm. the hammocks that, these days you're not just throwing a rope around a tree because that would really damage the tree uh you want to use the, the special straps and in, in especially in that case you probably especially like in my case where i have uh hammocks on the trees all summer i want to have wraps around the tree that that spread out the forces that are on the tree yeah so that's really good so you're not really damaging your trees that's a great point um actually there was at one point they eno sells indoor hammock hangs so that you can mount them on the wall because was, there was at one point where my kids were th- considering that they would like to like sleep like sailors or whatever, but you have That's hammocks. their bed, yeah. yeah, as their bed. I mean, there's something to be said for that. Maybe I, if I were in college, that might be something I'd think about. I I slept yeah. on a futon on the floor for two years, so I, I could do a hammock. Right. <laughs> hammock would be much better than that. Yeah. Yes, yes. So speaking of sleeping on the floor, I have one more suggestion, and this is my. Uh, I have to make this suggestion to everyone because I have had this piece of gear the exact same piece of gear since I was 12 years old and we started camping. Uh, and my, my dad took us camping all the time. So uh, this is a thermarest sleeping mat. Now it's a little bit pricey for a sleeping mat, 
Mm -hmm. But I recommend them to everyone because this thing has lasted 30 years. It's a self-inflating sleeping mat. All you do is you just roll it up when you're done, uh, seal it off. And then when you're ready to use it, you just unseal it and lay it out. It inflates on its own and you seal it before you lay down on it. And it feels great. It does its job perfectly. It insulates. It's a mat. And I have had this thing for 30 plus years, right? It has lasted for the whole time. Uh, I've had to patch one of them once because it got a hole in it, but it came, the thing came with a patching kit that I used. So I tell everybody about this because I feel bad that I'm not buying more from this company just because it's been <laughs> so good. <laughs> right, right. Well, and that's the thing is, is like, I, I've seen people, they get, they have air mattresses that they have to get the pump out. I mean, we've had that mm -hmm. before. I mean, my, you know, with my wife and I, where you get a pump and it pumps it up and then halfway through the night, it's like, psh, and you lean on the ground right. again. Um, but a, a really good air mattress, like an air sleeping pad not air mattress sleeping pad is is worth its weight in gold uh, because it is it's a, it's a difference between getting a good night's sleep and it was sleeping with a, a rock in your back and that sort of thing oh it, it definitely is and and this one's great because it, it rolls up really tight and i can stick it on top of my um on, on top of my hiking pack if i'm hiking and camping uh and it's lightweight it's pretty unobtrusive so I, I recommend them. They're they really are super fantastic uh, sleeping mats. Yeah, they're basic. Like the Neo Air Topo sleeping pad is like one thirty to one fifty, depending on size. Like you, if you're bigger, taller, they'll, you'll get something a little longer. Right. Um, and like I said, it 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 sounds expensive, but if you're going to be camping at all, <laughs> you know, like you said, yeah. like you said, thirty years. That's that's a pretty yeah. a pretty good cost benefit <laughs> ratio. So I, 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 exactly. <laughs> so uh, one of the things, you know, of course, you, you get your uh, you, you, your first aid is is good. Now you get, we talked about light and being able to see uh, to your tent. You're sleeping. You're gonna need to eat. And so, what do we mm -hmm. got for tech for eating uh, when you're camping? All right, so I'm going both ends of the spectrum on this one. It's the okay. stuff that you can carry with you that's really super tiny and compact, and then the stuff that you're gonna want if, if you're camping uh, in a big group. So. Uh, for the stuff that you're going to carry with you, the MSR uh, pocket rocket kit. Uh, and I go for the kit, not just the pocket rocket. The pocket rocket by itself is just a little stove that you attach uh, gas to and it works as a burner. It'll typically have a, a pot uh, that you can store it in. But the pocket rocket kit has uh, silverware. It has uh, dishes. It has uh, several different containers and trays and it all compacts down into a nice little capsule that's really easy to store great it, it's titanium so it's mm -hmm. uh, gonna last forever and it weighs next to nothing very very highly recommend the msr products are really top quality that is a great point uh i i was gonna look i need to look up something uh really quick too that i just thought of too that because you mentioned titanium i have a titanium mug that i that i have mm -hmm. um and in fact, I have it in two sizes because I'm being extravagant. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but it's been so awesome. And they're basically a. Um, I'm just going to quickly look it up in my purchase history on Amazon by looking up titanium because, uh, yeah, the camping pot, uh, camping pot, titanium mug, camping pot with insulating bag. This thing has been awesome. It is. It it's about. The the bigger one is a, is like a maybe a cup and a half I think uh, this is seven fifty millimeters so somewhere in that range three quarters of a of a liter and it's got handles and it's got a lid it you know I, you put it right in the fire 
It's uh, it could take the flames. It'll boil water. You could cook in it if you need to. And mm-hmm. uh, it's got a little insulating uh, bag that allows you to hold it once it's cooked. And because it's titanium, it's ultra lightweight. So, uh, yeah, th- that's a great point. Uh, I like that. Uh, the, the the stove and then this sort of thing can go right on top of the stove. Uh, I right. want to mention uh, if you're camping, car camping with your family, nothing beats the classic Coleman propane stove. Mm-hmm. This thing is yeah. it's still <laughs> it's still the gold standard for for that sort of camp cooking. It uses the little bottles, the little green bottles with the the propane in it and uh, I I bring that with me every time we go camping. I mean, you can always cook on the fire. That's that's fine. But, you know, if you want to make uh bacon, it's great. Like there's nothing like waking up mm-hmm. to bacon first thing on that Saturday morning <laughs> when you're out there. Uh it's like our it's our family tradition. Um you can boil water and do all kinds of things. The the Coleman classic burner stove is just, it's a great little bit of really great technology that it's old and still does the thing and it doesn't need to be improved. Right. And, and they get, they've gotten better. They've gotten lighter and easier, more compact. Yep. So yeah, yeah. Highly recommend looking into those. Now, my other one is uh, a lodge cast iron camping dutch oven yes and yeah if, you, if you're a scout at all you've definitely seen this if uh-huh. you're not a scout but you're thinking about going camping um these things are amazing because they are little ovens and and i'm not talking about like oh little cutesy uh dutch oven whatever no this thing functions exactly like your kitchen oven and i'm gonna i'm gonna give you the the clue into how to do this uh as my pick of the week because i wanted to to yep. split it up because I thought it would be really cool. But um, but these these large stuff, we, we have cooked uh, cakes. We have cooked uh, pizzas. We have cooked anything that you can make in your oven at home. Yep. Anything that you can bake, you can do in these Dutch ovens Loaf that you're taking with you. Biscuits. Yep. You can make stews. You can make uh, any you can make stuff that you've bra- braising in it. I one of the best cheesecakes. I have ever had in my life came out of one of these stoves. Now it could be because it was, you know, in the middle of like a, a high intensity camping weekend, yeah. but <laughs> it was a really good cheesecake. That and it awesome. came out of one of these uh, large Dutch ovens. So yeah, what, I, I recommend them. What sets a, a camping Dutch oven apart is the legs. It has to have mm-hmm. the, the large ones have three legs on the bottom that, that elevate it off of the fire when it sits there. And we'll, you'll, you'll explain uh, later right. on what, why that's important. Uh, but uh, you know, they, they come in different sizes, two quart up to 10 quart, which is huge. I have a big one. I have a couple of different ones actually uh, because, you know, <laughs> scouting and big family. Uh, right. and it, it has uh, it comes with a nice heavy lid, which is flat so that you can flip it over and use it like a, like a griddle. If you if you do mm-hmm. that way, I have a tripod so I can hang it over a fire if I want to give it a little more distance for lower, slower cooking. Um, yeah. The Dutch oven is learn how to cook in, in a classic lodge Dutch oven. I mean, a lodge cast iron cookware is fantastic. I, I have a soft spot for it. Um, our family like kitchen Dutch oven is a cast iron enamel Dutch oven from lodge because they're the only one who makes a nine quart Dutch oven that is reasonably priced. Huh. So when you have a big family, you can cook enough yeah. finally for the whole family. <laughs> I was tired of like getting shut out out of our favorite soups and things uh, because oh yeah <laughs> because they, we had to use a too small uh, cast iron Dutch oven. So yeah, all the lodge stuff is awesome. Highly recommended. 
Well, that's awesome. So that's our gear. I'm sure there's a lot, tons, tons, tons more gear we could talk about. We didn't even touch on sleeping bags and all that sort of stuff. We, we could do that mm-hmm. another time, maybe on a part two camping tech. But I want to move on to talk a little bit about our uh, apps and websites. And the first one I want to mention is one that I've, I've used called thedirt.com. And it's T H E D Y R T.com. And it is essentially. Yelp for camping uh, campsites, <laughs> campgrounds. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, that's yeah. A, it's precisely what it is. It's yeah, because it's uh, it'll show you all the camp places you can camp near you. You put your location in and there are user reviews, there's pictures and all sorts of stuff. And so last summer, while my older three kids were at scout camp, I took the two younger ones uh, camping nearby. We didn't go far, like like 20 minutes away or whatever it was, but it, I wanted to find a fun, nice place to go. And I looked, I went, went on the dirt. I looked around. I found this place, never heard of it. We went there. It was really nice. You know, it had the a swimming pond and all these little amenities. And it was like, it was nothing. I mean, it wasn't like fancy, fancy, you know, Jellystone Park, you know, glamping campground, but it was just a nice basic campground. And it's really useful and helpful that way that to just find out what's near you. you you'll be sh- shocked and surprised at all the places that are near you. Perhaps maybe you won't be. It, this, it sort of depends on where you live, but uh, have you, so you've used the the dirt. Oh yeah. Yeah. We've used the dirt. It's, it's great for discovering places. And I think that's, you know, cause if you scout camp, you go to the same places like every, mm-hmm. every single, every single time you go camping, it's, Oh, we're going there again. Okay. Yep, whatever. Yep. Uh, and so when we go for our family camping, we, we use the dirt because we're like, Hey, let's, let's go somewhere we haven't been before and see what it's like. Right. And it, it's not just tents. They'll you, there's, uh, there's RV camping, you, there's cabins, uh, yurt camping, which is something I haven't done yet, but I would love <laughs> to do some, some state parks and other places have, or in regular campgrounds too, will have yurt, uh, yurts that they rent out. You know, so it's mm-hmm. like a cross between a tent and a cabin. It just seems really cool. And they're I, ideal for I would big Catholic to, families. I would love to find something like that. Yeah, yeah. that would be great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just noticed they, I'm on their site and the, the Boston Harbor Islands National uh, and State Park has yurts that they rent out. And so mm-hmm. that's cool because it's on islands, which is really kind of cool that right. in Boston Harbor. So, uh, yeah, it, it's a nice discovery there. There's a, a couple of apps I want to mention. One is called Chimani. It's a national park mobile app and uh, guides for uh, hiking, camping, auto RVing, and touring. Um, so the apps are specific to parks. I'm, I'm trying to think of the, with, with the, it, there was two different ones. I'm trying to, now I need to remember exactly what Chimani was. Uh, yeah, you, you get, uh, they have apps for each park. So it's, and it's a detailed app. So I have the Shimani Acadia National Park. That's, that's the, the one in Maine that my family loves, loves to go to. And it will have maps. It'll have information on, um, you know, money saving deals, you know, photo galleries. Um, it'll have ranger events, hiking trails, auto touring, information on camping. So it's got all the details. Um, you can, and you'll find ones for all the different national parks that are out there. And so it says 400 plus national parks, forests, wildlife refuges, with detailed guides for 60 plus national parks. So national parks will have a little more information than the others. So uh, really cool. And um, yeah, I think it also works without, if you don't have a Wi-Fi signal, so it'll download all the data. 
uh, in the app. I, I think you 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 plan your um you plan your trip, and I think it downloads the data for wherever right wherever you're going specifically. Right, yeah. right, exactly. Um, so that's the Chimani, and I don't remember. Let me see if it's uh, what the price is on that. I don't remember if the, what the the cost is. I'm just opening that up right now. But uh, then the other one, and I'll tell you about that once that opens. There's another one called the National Park Trail Guide, uh, and this is much more about a specific about hiking trails uh, from the hikingproject.com. And this was a trail guides to national parks. So I don't know if they have every national park. It, there's a lot of them. <laughs> I mean, the, the list is goes on and all the ones you'd think of, you know, Yellowstone, Virgin Islands, Saguaro is Arizona, you know, all that sort of stuff. And uh, it's got all these, the trails and various information about the backcountry. And again, they it, they think ahead. It's all available offline when you don't have bars out in the wilderness, which mm-hmm. would be the worst. Um, so, or when you decide to turn your phone off while you're out there, yes, <laughs> but still want to use it for some of the things that you right, take with right. you. <laughs> turn off the cellular data so no one can call you while you're hiking. Yes, exactly. I get called from work. Uh, so, <laughs> those are three I wanted to mention anyway. Yeah, Chimani, it looks like, is a $29.99 a year or $100 for a lifetime membership, which oh, is okay. fantastic. That's I love I love it when a program does that. Yeah, yeah, a lifetime. Just just let me buy. Just let me buy in perpetuity, and I don't have to worry about it ever again. So, I mean, it's not inexpensive, but if you're going to a national park on a family trip, you know, or you go or you live near a national park that you're always going to, it's an investment. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, you know, back in the day, you'd buy a guidebook for that much, <laughs> frankly, <Right>. you know, so <laughs> um, this is this is the, the equivalent. So I, I recommend it. All right. Uh, I think that about does it now. I'm sure we'll come back to this topic because, like I said, there's a lot more to talk about. And we would love to get your recommendations mm-hmm. for camping tech and, you know, the, the techie that you can't do without or recommendations for gear uh, that you want to uh, that you take with you when you go camping. Definitely. You no, can seriously, s- we, we would love that because yes. <laughs> we will probably go and use it. We'll probably go buy it. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so you can send that to technology at sqpn.com. So I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including Justin P., Margaret Q., Phil B., Christopher R., and David C. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. All right. Uh, we went a little long talking about our camping tech, so I'll, I'll take it quick through some of these headlines. Uh, but uh, I, there's some good ones here that I think it's important to talk about. Uh, over the weekend, there was a story that came out about Insteon, which is a smart home company. They, they make smart home tech. Uh, we've talked about this sort of thing before. Insteon mm-hmm. just kind of went offline. Now, they they sell a, it's like a, basically a home hub and then switches and other home automation tech. And uh, and like all of it, it all requires a server somewhere on the internet to be running to function according to its design. And Insteon just kind of basically disappeared. I mean, their website's still there, but their servers are offline. Yeah. There's no way to contact them. All like the websites have been scrubbed of all kinds of data. The and, the CEO's LinkedIn page just disappeared. Which, yeah, that's like shady odd. That's sketchy. Where did he, is he, did yeah. he go off to Switzerland or something? You know, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's really yeah. It, and because it uses a proprietary protocol, 
not not like Z-Wave or Zigbee, but you know it's proprietary. It kind of leaves people a bit in the lurch. Now there there are the 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 um, open source home automation uh, community has already broken some of the APIs that allows you to hook it into other things. So uh, if you have Home Assistant or OpenHab or HomeBridge, these are three different kind of roll your own home automation servers you can mm-hmm. connect th- your insteon stuff to that now and then um through that to other things like amazon's echo or uh home kit and that sort of stuff so it's not a complete disaster for folks but it's it's sketchy and shady and this is a bad corporate practice yeah well, and it's it, it just another another reason that we need to we need these things really to be open sourced. And I know that there's a lot of concern about the open source and security of stuff in your household, but this is an, a great example of why having at least an API open source to this stuff would be preferable. Because yeah, and then if the company folds, you still have this gear that you can use by moving over to another uh, another system. Right. Right. So our next headline uh, comes from a website protocol and the headline says class tests Intel AI to monitor students emotions on uh, zoom. (laughs) The, the, the facial recognition AI stuff, this is just really bad. So basically what it's, what they're doing is they want to use uh, a facial recognition tool to gauge the emotions of students in class of whether they're bored or struggling or whatnot, and the you know Intel and the and the other company behind this like think it's the, the the best thing since sliced bread, of course. But a lot of people are saying this is problematic. It's very problematic, and I, I'm going to give one example of why this is really problematic and why uh, school systems should be standing up against this because this is uh, this is a practice that is dangerous uh, for the way that we gauge student interaction because a good teacher can learn a student and can understand that student's reactions, especially a student who's on the spectrum, who has some kind of uh, muscular uh, dystrophy or, or something going on. They can read that student's emotions through everything that's going on much better than any algorithm is ever going to be able to predict that student's reactions uh, through just a camera view right. of them. And so from a pedagogical standpoint, from like just the teacher's standpoint, this should be something that we're saying, no, 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 do not continue doing this. Yeah. And that's before we get into all of the like other moral <laughs> issues and implications that it that it brings up. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, I, I, I could be flippant and say, have you ever seen a, a classroom of adolescents who didn't every single one of them look bored through an entire lesson? I mean, <laughs> get that glazed look on their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But I mean, the idea that every kids, adults even will have. I want to use the the correct the, a polite term for this resting bleep face, you know, where mm. where they mm-hmm. just there are some people who just don't you know they just look disconnected or distracted. I mean, I've gotten I've seen people get criticized in in work meetings for being distracted or for being disengaged from the meeting and the person would be like I'm engaged with what's going on and I, I don't expect the algorithms to do any better at that. And I just, I no. feel like it could end up being a tool that's used to punish instead of 
mm-hmm. what they claim is, is to help teachers improve. Hey, this is bad what? for teachers. Why uh-huh. aren't you? We, we, uh, the algorithm says that seventy three percent of your students are disengaged from your lesson. This is going to be a, a moment where we have to uh, discipline you as a teacher to be a better teacher. Like, ugh. Yeah, I was going to say help help improve how. That's because that's always what it comes down to, right? It's yeah. like where it's a it becomes a a judgment rather than an aid, and right. Yeah. It becomes a management tool to kind of abuse the workers. You know what I mean? Like just, uh, we have another, another metric we can use to prove that we're being good managers. Uh, You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It's just, uh, I mean, I'm not not doing the whole workers of the world unite thing, but it's, (laughs) it's, I've seen this happen too many times. A tool that is misused in in such a situation or it's misused against the students. It's bad for the students. Mm -hmm. Like, telling them constantly that you're disengaged, you're disengaged. I'm like, I'm as engaged as I can be. Like what, like, right. and, and then, then what do they do? They start pretending to be engaged, just like trying to fool the algorithm. Like we do with, you know, social media stuff. It's just a mess. And it, and it becomes a game and then they're not engaged. They're just engaged with the algorithm, not with, right. <laughs> not with right. the actual lesson. And, you know, for me, uh, I'm, I'm noticing myself on zoom calls. Like I have to tell people beforehand, I am, I am a writer. I, I have to physically write things down. So if you're looking at the top of my head for a majority of the meeting, I apologize for that. It's because I'm writing in a notepad on my desk. (laughs) I'm a doodler. Like I have to keep like Mm -hmm. for me to focus, my hand has to be doing something. Even if I'm not literally taking notes like that, I'm fiddling with stuff. I fiddle with stuff throughout podcasts. I've got a pen here. I've got a sticker, you know, uh, I, I take my wedding ring off and I fiddle with it. I have a, I had a colleague who doodled. He just doodled mm-hmm. and he got yelled at by a boss once for, for, for doodling. It's like, I'm paying attention. If I didn't do this, then I wouldn't be t- paying attention. If you see me not doodling, then I'm not paying attention. Right. <laughs> and it's a similar thing with kids, like especially with Zoom, which is a, it disintermediates you from the person that you're talking to more so than if you're when you're together in the same room. It's even harder for kids to remain engaged. So, I, yeah, I, I don't think these tools are a good idea. So our, our last headline is uh, from TechCrunch. It says that a U.S. appeals court reaffirms that web scraping is legal. And so this stems from a case in which a company was going on LinkedIn and scraping information about uh, about the people who've posted their profiles there. Um, I think it was at uh, a rival company, it says, and LinkedIn claimed it was hacking which is, you know, kind of, you know, the usual dumb thing uh, where we, we claim anything we don't like that someone else is doing with the, with uh, computers is hacking. Uh, right. But the Ninth Circuit Court basically said that accessing, scraping publicly accessible data off a website is, is, is not a violation of the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. And this is seen as a big win for archivists, academics, researchers, and journalists who use these tools to, to collect information. I I applaud the ruling. I think it's a good ruling. This is a fantastic ruling. I would have been super upset if this went any other way because um, I use web scraping all the time. I'm mm-hmm. constantly whenever when I write new programs, if I'm trying to get information into those programs, and <laughs> one of the groups that Dom and I are both part of, they got me turned on to this uh, note taking app called Obsidian, which oh, has been yeah. in our recommendations before. And uh, you can actually write functions in there that scrape stuff for you. So uh, I have I have a note set that every day it scrapes a few pieces of information for me, so that I can when I make my daily note, it has the temperature, it has the you know. Oh, nice. So 
I have lots of information that's available to me on top of what I'm adding into it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are companies that have used this sort of thing for, for, for bad. Like we've talked about Clearview AI before, scraping billions of social media profile photos for its facial recognition mm -hmm. stuff. And yeah, that's that's bad. But it's not the scraping that's bad. I mean, if I post a photo mm -hmm. on my profile, I know that I'm. It's a pub. If I've made it public, it's public. Anybody can, you know. It's like me putting a photo right. of myself in my front window. If someone takes a picture of it, <laughs> that's my problem. Yeah, it's the data brokering that's the problem. It's yeah. the, that that next step of taking all of those things, making a metadata profile, and then selling it to someone for whatever purpose it doesn't even matter what the purpose is really if you're you're making right. those metadata profiles and then selling them using it for research using it for uh you know using it for, if you do the scraping yourself and then you're using that scraping for some kind of targeted advertising i actually prefer that to the other because that way i know that you've done it and that if if i'm upset about it i know to look at your company and say well i don't like that company so i'm not going to you know, that that targeted advertising came from them. Right. I'm not going to buy from them. Right. If Target scraped and sent me an ad, then that would, you know, then I would know it was Target. But if it's some third party data broker, Cambridge Analytics or Clearview AI or somebody like that, I don't know them. They're not I, mm. I, I'm not their customer. And that becomes more of a problem. Yeah, that's true. All right. So those are our headlines. Uh, let's go to our picks of the week. And uh, Thomas, you said you had picks of the week related to uh, our Dutch ovens earlier. Yes. So if you've never used a Dutch oven at camping, uh, it is exactly like an oven in your kitchen. And there is a formula that you use. So Dom mentioned that it has to have the little tripod legs on the bottom mm -hmm. uh, to be able to hold it up off the ground. And the, the reason for that is that there is a formula to grab a certain number of coals from the fire. So you start off your coals and you can either start them in the fire themselves or in a, a brick burner and you use the, the charcoal bricks and you put a certain number underneath and a certain number on top of the Dutch oven and it bakes just like the oven in your house. So if you have a pizza that bakes at a certain temperature for a certain amount of time, you can do that with the coals and the campfire. Now, there's there's some loose math you can do. And I was taught loose math uh, about it that works every time. But if you don't want to have to memorize formulas or anything like that, the Two apps that I'm going to re recommend are one on the Android uh, system, which is called Dutch Oven Gourmet, and one on iOS system, which is called Dutch Oven Helper Lite. And both of these apps, all you do is you put in the temp that you want, the amount of time that you need to cook for, and it returns to you. Put this many briquettes on top, this many briquettes on the bottom, and that is the oven that you will receive. Right. And to to to, to make it uh, even clear in case it didn't come across. We're talking charcoal briquettes, you know, so they, and each briquette when lit gives off a certain amount of energy as heat. And so you add those together and you get a certain temperature and cast iron is a wonderful conductor of heat and it holds heat like crazy, which is awesome. And so you want when you're baking all around heat. So you want heat from above and heat from below. And that's why uh, a good Dutch oven has that lip on the lid that holds mm -hmm. the coals up there. So they, for one thing, they'll fall in and make your uh, food all ashy when you take the lid off. Uh, but it, so you put so many on top and so many below, you get a total and that makes a particular temperature that it will be inside after decades and decades of 
scouts mainly doing this they've figured it out how <laughs> you know how, what the temps are and that sort of thing and this just makes it easy for you and, and you don't have to you know have the lore of a seasoned uh, uh, scout master to tell you how it all how it all works um yeah that's a great great little app i i, I like it um the and there are uh there have been times when that would have been really handy uh to, to have <laughs> out there to get a real quick because math in my head is not my strong suit so that's good. Yeah, no, that's the the guy that taught us was like, it's like you take the temp that you want and then you put this many uh, plus this many on top and this many minus this many on the bottom. And it got really confusing real fast. And I was like, there's right. no way I'm going to remember that while I've got scouts <laughs> running around the fire. And yeah, yeah so yeah, <laughs> the app's exactly. really helpful. <laughs> yeah, and it's not an equal amount on top and bottom. Like it's usually more on, right. on the bottom than on the top and that sort of thing. Excellent. Well, my, t- uh, my pick is more of a tip this week. And I want to encourage you, uh, this works on iPhone. I'm not sure if it's on Android. You can tell me, Thomas, if there's something similar on Android. But I have, you know, in the, in the latest versions of iOS, you can put widgets. You know, thankfully, uh, we've we, the Apple uh, was first to create uh, widgets on your desk. I'm just kidding. It's tweaking you. Uh, they finally got the clue and, and gave us some widgets on our desktops. And one of the widgets I love is the Photos widget. And the reason I love it is all throughout my day, every day, I look at my phone and it surfaces some great photo, some great memory of my wife and or my kids or something. Like right now, I'm looking at this awesome photo of my son Anthony and my daughter uh, uh, Lucia uh, from gosh, probably eight years ago when they were teeny tiny playing in the driveway. And I'm like, oh, it just I love seeing that, and it's so so wonderful to. And then when you tap on it, it will take you to the uh, Facebook's. Um, it's Facebook's the photos memories feature where it assembles like um, uh, uh, memories of fo- you know bunches of photos together, throws a song on it, and it it creates like that heart tugging, sentimental little memory walked on memory lane. <laughs> yep. It's so fantastic. I mean, every night at dinner, I'm 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 constantly showing my wife, oh look at this one. You know, we're like, oh, if there's one great thing about smartphones technology that has really given us the ability to do is to see all our family photos. When I was a kid, family photo, the family photos were a box that got dragged out of a closet, uh, like on Christmas or Easter. And then mm-hmm. we kind of just looked through the photos and, Oh, look at this wonderful photos. And that was it. And then it got shoved back in the closet. And I mean, better families than mine would have albums, but it was the same thing. You only got pulled out a couple times a year for us. We're seeing these photos all the time. So if you right. have an iPhone, you can you can put a, a nice big. I use the uh, the big widget that goes all the way across. This uh, instead of the it's not a square; it's a rectangle. Uh, it gives a little more room, and I put that on my home screen right at the top. Uh, is there something like that for Android? There is. Um, you can use the photos. Uh, there, there are photos widgets for most, and uh, I know for mine, it'll allow me to pick uh, people and pets. It add, added mm-hmm. in the the ability to pick pets recently, uh, so you can pick people and pets that you'd like to be notified of, uh, and then it will every once in a while just randomly throw up a picture of one of those uh, people or pets from your past. And there's also uh, a function in Google Photos that they will send me a reminder, and mm-hmm. I, I had to. I had to enable it, but if you enable it, it's, it is really 
really good because it'll say this day five years ago, this day nine years ago, and it'll just give you and and it knows kind of you know you know I I don't take many photos so if I took more than one photo in a day it was an event right <laughs> right right <laughs> and, and and so it knows that this was an event and it's already automatically tagged it for me so then I can go in and look through it and I can't tell you how many times I've sent my wife uh, a photo from one of these things yep. that it's shown up for me and she's like oh they were so cute when they were that little <laughs> <laughs> yeah I have Google Photos too I use it as my back up uh, for a photo uh, storage and like I'm looking at it now and it has like uh, you open it up and at the top says what's cooking and it's got I don't know me grilling something from who knows how long ago you know and spotlight on Anthony which was my it's just my son or Lucia and Melanie which is my my wife and my daughter or Easter you know or one year ago today or it's just it's awesome uh, you know take advantage of those things when we first got these these photo the the photo albums apps and the smartphones it was great to have them all there but they didn't really you didn't really do anything with them. And you'd have thousands, mm-hmm. you know, people like my wife who take hundreds of photos a day sometimes. Um, you know, you have all these photos in there and you just never, like, you never see them. And they finally figured out we've got to give people a way to 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 bring them their photos in a mm-hmm. smart way. And frankly, this is one of the things I love about technology is it, uh, that it makes life better in many ways. And this is one right. way it does. Uh, so it's awesome. Cool. Wholeheartedly agree. Definitely. All right. That's it from us. So we'd love to hear what you think of our discussion. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or at the StarQuest Facebook page, facebook.com slash StarQuest Media. You can send an email to technology at sqpn.com or you can visit the new StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash Discord, where we're having great conversations with folks and we're, in, we're able to interact with the hosts of the show, with the, with the listeners. It's, it's been so much fun and fantastic. You can find links from our discussion and our picks of the week on our show notes at sqpn.com. Uh, please, if you, if you get a moment, take a moment now and go write a review of the show in Apple Podcasts or one of the podcast directories. Share the podcast with your friends. Help us grow this community and reach more listeners. We recently reached the top 100 technology podcasts in the Apple Podcast Directory, which is yes. kind of awesome. Given, That's amazing. Yeah. Given <laughs> how many tech podcasts there are out there, it is a pretty big accomplishment to do that. And we are one of the only Catholic tech podcasts out there. I think there are a couple others, but um, it is fantastic to get that kind of exposure and your reviews help us uh, get there. So anyway, until next time, Thomas and her ho, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. It's been great. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of technology on StarQuest and go camping. (laughs) 